0: Welcome back to the Manchester, Manchester United. So, the United podcast. Manchester United have won 3 0 against Charlton in the League Cup. Um, League Cup quarterfinal. Eric Ten Hag qualifies for his first available semi final of the season, um, which I'm sure will definitely get one of Newcastle United or Manchester City. Definitely shapes up to be an exciting semi final. But um, I was going to run solo on tonight's podcast, but George has come off the bench a la Facundo Palestri. Um, for a nice sort of lovely appearance to liven things up. So, um, George, thank you very much. And um, obviously on the other side of all of the moment, it was an early start for us here in Sydney watching the match. But um, it's much easier being a Manchester United fan at the moment, isn't it? Just it's a, the good form worries me. It's it's not natural to be winning eight games on the bounce. And um, it's a throwback to 20 years ago when times were a lot better. But um, talk to me how you feel on this fine day.
1: Um, good evening to everyone in Sydney. Good morning to all our European listeners, like myself, at the moment. Um, before before I start, a massive congratulations to um, Man Cave United's Emad on the birth of um, his son, and to him and his well, wife. But with regards to with regards to, um, with regards to Unite, uh, United and eight in a row, yes, it is fantastic. Yes, I don't remember this since the twelve thirteen season. Ultimately, we may have a big reality check coming up in, on Saturday, which hopefully is a reality check for them more so than us.
0: Well, in that 12-13 season, we had a Dutch striker. Um, we could have a Dutch striker, maybe not by the weekend, but um, we'll, we'll touch on all things Weghorst because anyone who's been listening to the podcast for a while does know and Weghorst, do have a history, and it's a positive history. It's probably the only person in, in the world who has called Weghorst to Manchester United months and months in advance. So we'll touch on all things um, about Weghorst at the end. But um, this will be a review of Manchester United Charlton and the League Cup. So do get all your thoughts in on the match 3 two ones. You know the drill. Just say good day to some people in the live chat. Jamie over from Northern Ireland. Good to see you, mate. Ashby, as always. Matt, good to see you. Let us know if you're going to be there on Saturday night, Matt, for Manchester Derby. And Elliot, always good to see you, mate. Hope all is well. Now, I think these match reviews, George, we always start sort of starting 11. Interesting one because I'll get into Kobe Manu in a little second because about 12 hours before kickoff, just when I went to bed, just had a hunch that Manu would play. I thought I was being calling an I wanted to see Iqbal play. I just had a hunch. Man who's going to play. I wake up an hour before kickoff. He's in the starting lineup, so I was a happy man. We'll get into his performance in a little bit, but we'll start at the back. We've just signed a goalkeeper, Jack Butland. This is probably the only time he could play a game in terms of League One side, and not to disrespect him, but obviously David De Gea is going to play all the important games. So League One opposition at home. Okay, this is where Jack Butland, you new goalkeeper signing, could play. Tom Heaton goes in goals. Now, Tom Heaton did very well, I thought. Did his job well. Looked far better than Dubravka did the other week.
1: Was Jack um, so just... in the squad?
0: Very good question. I'm positive he was on the bench. Um, do let me know. Let me know yeah, in the I chat.
1: Don't, I don't remember him being in the squad. I'll check I mean,
0: he, he, he might he might not have been. Okay, that, so that proves me wrong. But in regards to that, Tom Heaton will start at the back.
1: No, he wasn't in the squad.
0: So was De Gea on the bench, was he? Yeah. Okay, No, fair play. Okay, sorry, Jack. Sorry about that. But Tom Heaton came in. And I thought, it actually, look, he doesn't start the Manchester Derby. David De Gea keeps the spot between the sticks. But Tom Heaton, compared to what Dubrovka did, I thought um, assured himself quite well.
1: I agree. Like Tom Heaton, we, we forget that he's an England international goalkeeper, actually made his England debut on the same match as Marcus Rashford. And speaking of goalkeepers, coincidentally enough, those two made their international debuts against Australia. And in the other end, I know we don't want to talk too much about Charlton, but it was nice to see Ashley Maynard Brewer as, as, an, as an Australian have a good game.
0: I wouldn't know. He's Australian. Now, fair play. Thank you for the an an trivia. He was there.
1: the only at the Olympics.
0: Oh, was that him? Was that okay? Yeah, now, fair play to him. Obviously, Aaron Hart spoke nicely of him. Thanks for that little bit of information, George. But the other George, I mean, good to see you, mate. Portrait from the football capital. Always good to have you, mate. And Elliot here. We'll move a little bit forward. Maguire moving like Phil Jones. Maguire didn't have the greatest against games, but what I would say, George, Lucinda Martinez is more shaky than Maguire for me.
1: I guess you alluded to it earlier. Like Martinez has probably been on the piss in Argentina for two weeks, and rightfully so. It's a once in a lifetime thing, winning the World Cup. But I remember you, um, Larry, bringing this up about a few months ago when we were going through that really bad patch of form. We were talking about Maguire specifically. Yeah, I remember specifically. He said Maguire makes every defender around him worse because they've almost got to do the job of one and a half defenders. And unfortunately, I don't want to be too harsh on him, but that's what we saw today. Well,
0: you look at the first two games of the season, Was a, from memory, it was a partnership of Maguire yeah, and Martinez. It was. And a, maybe just a thing of those where maybe just, I don't know, I'm sure they get on off the pitch, or maybe they don't. Maybe there is just maybe the lack of communication and understanding of each other's games. And um, look, we are right with the that in regards to everything Maguire touches at the moment, sort of negatively affects everything around him. But it could just be a partnership thing because I saw Martinez and he, looked, he looks fit, but he just looked a little bit shaky. I don't want to say Maguire had a good game, but I thought he was ra- rating them. I thought Maguire had a. Um, Yeah, it was a little bit like sort of just a little bit not as error prone as Martinez. I thought Martinez compared to his high standards was a little bit shaky.
1: All your three two runs at the start of the season, you gave Maguire one of the. the, um, I think in the first game. Yeah, in the first game, you gave him a point, but ultimately, he's the defender that makes way for Martinez. For Martinez, I get.
0: Oh, no, look, look, Martinez kept his spot for the Manchester Derby. Now, maybe there is a shout to move Luke Shaw inside and keep Molassi. I don't agree with that. But Martinez and Varane definitely start um, the Manchester Derby. That's not a sort of criticism of Lissandro Martinez. He set the bar so high for himself this season. Maybe a six out of 10 looks a bit poorer than what it is. So, definitely not a criticism, but just a little bit of an observation. Now, the only negative, was, because I'm sure we'll get into plenty of positives, George, the only negative I can think of. Diego Deleu, um didn't seem too bad, but obviously a little bit of a precautionary substitution, sort of signal to Eric Ten Hag that it's just something minor, but ultimately um, he was injured and did have to leave the pitch. Manchester derby, which I'm sure we do many previews in the coming days, um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka or Diego Deleu, Um, what are your current thoughts?
1: On match fitness and match sharpness, you have to go Wan-Bissaka, don't you?
0: Look, I won't lose any sleep over that, and especially Juan bissaka has a very good record at Man- or against Manchester City. Now, I'm sure someone could put the stats that say, we have conceded so many goals with Wan-Bissaka. Okay, fair enough. But in terms of just my memory of Wan-Bissaka, I can just envisage good slide tackles against Raheem Sterling, etc. So I'm not going to lose any sleep over Wan-Bissaka starting. But ultimately, I think, especially the way Eriten wants to play, I don't think we'll be parking the bus. I think ultimately Manchester City should dominate, but I think Eriten Hag will go with the intention of dominating himself. So the intention Hag will be Diego Dallo, but it definitely could be Aaron one so um it'll be very interesting fingers crossed it's only a slight injury but um yeah time will tell him last i thought last just solid enough luke shaw comes back in a left back i thought maybe shaky at times but a little bit better than his previous performance so um anything else on the back four before we do move on
1: not too much to comment on the back four with regards to dallo you could you could argue it was the perfect game to bring him in. But then on the flip side, if he's going to be your first choice for the Manchester Derby, why is he playing this match?
0: Yeah, look, I called look, agree, but I called Diogo to start in this one just to get an hour on his belt. Unfortunately, he got 20 minutes or so. But just to get a little bit more match with him, same as Lissandro Martinez. But fingers crossed, all come up fit, have a good rest today and are ready for Saturday night or Saturday night Sydney time. Now, moving forward into midfield, this is what I want from McFred now. McTominay came in for a lot of criticisms. I don't think he had a good game, but I don't think he was as bad as a lot of people sort of made out in regards to a lot of he was on the winning he played 90 minutes in a midfield that won 3-0 There were far better they were far worse players on the Charlton team than Scott McTominay but I thought Fred outshone him a little bit um in terms of providing a little bit more energy obviously Fred played much sort of any more preferred role Scott McTominay had to drop a little bit deeper which obviously isn't his game but in regards to what I won from McFred that that's it come in do a job win the game 3-0 give Casimir and Ericsson an hour's rest and you move on. I don't expect Fred, or maybe there's a shout for Fred to play against Manchester City. But ultimately, come give Casemiro and Erikson an hour off. Bruno Fernandes would have been um, given the night off if he wasn't suspended. You don't keep your spot for Manchester City, but you've progressed us in the Cup. Well done. That's part of being a squad, in my opinion. So I didn't understand the hate towards, well, I do understand it because I see it every week, but I didn't understand the hate towards McFred and, well, McTominay and Fred himself.
1: Well, I agree with everything you said. I remember you, you, oh, previously you said that. With all due respect to Charlton, we're good enough to win games with the and Fred in, in midfield against, well, let's say, 60% of the opposition we're going to play against. And ultimately, this is one of these games, and you're right, this is what we utilise the squad for with regards to their um, individual performances. I'd, six out of ten. Like, what more do you want? Yeah. We, don't, we don't need ten out of ten performances to beat Charlton. I, I think that
0: was the thing. I was having a few debates and look at who am I to get into an argument about Scott McTominay's performances, but I was having a discussion with a few people. And I said, like, "Well, what do you want? Do you want him to go past three players, score a hat trick, and get two assists? What does that achieve? Win four nil, win three 0 Like he comes in, does a job. Again, maybe not the greatest of jobs, but it was just one of those ones. I go. I want no to point interest. out
1: Elliot's comment because where we, go, where where I think we um, might might have gone a bit wrong in our last match against City. Yes, albeit Casemiro didn't play, was that I did think we went." A bit too attacking heavy with regards to going Bruno Eriksen, and I think it was McTominay that played that match.
0: I think there is a shout, which we'll, I'm sure we'll do many uh, previews in the coming days, or many looks ahead towards the. There is the, a game um,
1: for City; it's the derby. Oh, sorry, yeah, City.
0: I, I think not, City. not so much, not so much just Fred himself. I just think in regards to maybe limitations Eriksen has. I think look, Eriksen has been brilliant since he's come in. Absolutely love him. Not no no criticism at all. Defensively, maybe he leaves a little bit. Just in regards to energy and physicality. And then not so much winning headers of tackles, but just that up and down, up and down. You, you look at um, McTominay today and, and that the palestrian assist, that was the 90th minute. He's still getting box to box. Does Ericsson really have that? It's not a criticism of Ericsson, but I just think does he have that box to box nature that a player like Fred or McTominay has? Probably not. So from a defensive aspect, I could see a case for Eric Ten Hag opt-in for Fred on Saturday. I think it will be Ericsson, but it will be very interesting. Get everyone's thoughts in the live chat. Stephen, good to see you, mate. Hope all is well. And um, Borja here, I think we need Fred Bruno and Casimiro this week. And, look, I definitely wouldn't lose any sleep over. And Ericsson, look, it's still a very busy product. We're going to need Ericsson against Crystal Palace to break them down. So if we're going to rest Christian Ericsson for a game, uh, maybe this is one of those. That'll be what Eric Ten Hag has paid the big, big bucks for. Now, George, Kobe Manu. He was born in 2005. That doesn't please me. That, that, that worries me. That that makes me feel very old. He's born in 2005, 17-year-old, comes on, makes a debut. I thought, look. It's just one of those ones. He, he won't make another appearance now for a while, I don't think. He didn't do enough, but ultimately, a 17 year old to come in and just do fine, do a six out of 10. I think mean, what a moment for him. I was so pleased. That, I placed that, de- not personally placed, I didn't call up Eric, but I said the one demand I'm placing on Eric Ten Hag is give a debut in this game. And I expected maybe the last 10, 15 minutes for someone, but to throw a 17 year old from the start, I was over the moon with um, Eric Ten Hag and Kobe Mania.
1: 100%, um, 100% oh, what a great moment for him this 17 year old playing at Old Trafford in, in, a, in a knockout game
0: sometimes and, you and, see like a 19 year old 20 year old 17 like,
1: <laughs> 17 wow and also we're going to talk I guess we'll talk about the other club debut that happened in the 80 in the 83rd minute which I think was far too overdue but as for Manu himself he did have a couple of chances but You can't blame a 17-year-old for, you know, just being a bit jittery. jittery. Think think about every single one in this live chat when they were 17 years old. They would have absolutely shat themselves.
0: Well, yeah, no, look, I don't think... And look, uh, obviously, um, Manchester United fan base online sort of pick and choose at the moment who they're going to defend and support, but unanimously and rightly so, everyone was behind Maino. I don't think there was any over-the-top criticism of his performance, not that it deserved it, but I think he's um, full of support, which is good to see. Stephen here. Um, every professional player is younger than me. Ages suddenly become irrelevant. Yeah, it could be in that category very soon, in terms of. He could be maybe 17 years old. Fair play to him. But um, I might even get to that age as well, Stephen, where um, I'll be one of the experienced heads in the Man United team. But um, we'll, before we get into Plessry, because I, I think his discussion comes in at uh, 3 2 we so we'll move into the front three. Uh, Anthony Langer. Actually, Anthony Langer, he'll come into the Plessry discussion. But Anthony on the right hand side.
1: What's this comment now?
0: Uh, where's Borce here? I'll just say Borce here. Um, Alanga needs to go. I'm sorry, not just good enough. We'll definitely touch on Alanga. I want to do a short short video tomorrow as well on Pelestria and but Alanga will definitely come up in the Pelestria discussion, I'm sure. But we'll start on Anthony. He's got some left foot.
1: Oh, he might only have one foot, but it's a brilliant foot,
0: isn't it? It's all you need. Maradona and Messi only have a left foot as well. Um, David Beckham, no one told him to just cut on the inside so he can go. everyone knew what he was going to do. I think what actually helped Anthony with this goal, the defender, I was watching the defender when the ball came across to him. And he shows him so much on his left foot. The defender is actually hesitant, thinking he's shown me so much, he's actually got to cut back on his right. He's got to fake the pass or fake the shot and cut back onto his right. So that threat, well, it feels like a lack of threat because he's shown the left. feels like a lack like of threat, but the defender actually saw it as a threat to go to the right. And that actually opens the space up a little bit more for the shot. So, yes, look, he is very one-dimensional, but he will learn from that. And he can also – Ian Robin was one-dimensional. Players like that are one-dimensional, it can be used – over with your experience and sort of learning throughout um, throughout the game, you can use it to your advantage, and I think he will do that. Eric Ten Hag, if, if he was so bad and such a flop and so one-dimensional and so pointless, Eric Ten Hag, wouldn't, who's worked with him before, wouldn't have paid that money and wouldn't keep selecting him. Eric Ten Hag sees something, and um, I'm glad for it because Anthony definitely deserves it.
1: 100%. And if you bring up the comparison with Iron Robin, what Iron Robin did do, however... Especially to, I'll say, towards the back end of his time at Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, because that he also developed the option of getting to the byline and cut and crossing mm-hmm. with his right foot, which doesn't doesn't seem impressive. Doesn't have to be though. All it all it gives is that puts that doubt in your fallback's mind that you could do either either of two things. For me, I think Anthony is a bit too predictable now, whereas you almost know 99 percent of the time he is going to cut back on his left. All it is, needs just. Get to the ball and cross it with your right foot. It doesn't even need to be a spectacular cross. Just put that doubt in your fullback's mind.
0: Put it down for a goal that pick.
1: That's a for far
0: greater level. Yeah, but, and, and look, look, I agree completely, and I agree with all the frustrations towards Anthony, but, well, okay, he's not as young as Kobe Manu, but he's a young player. He will learn. Like, you look at Ronaldo when he came in, how frustrating how some of the ridiculous, some of the stuff he was doing. It's part of the game. Eric Ten Hag has shown what a good coach he is at the moment in terms of how he's improved Manchester United players. I'm sure with someone he has a great connection with with Anthony, um, he'll definitely improve. So, and I think a huge thing in regards to that—not to criticise one Bissaka or Dele, but they develop a relationship that'll also that will provide the threat on the right-hand side as well. It's not just Anthony having to go himself. Now, we'll go to Marcus Rashford. Why not? it's was close to a one-nil game and just sort of scraping through in the cup. But ultimately, we'll walk away with a three-nil to three-nil victory thanks to the two late goals from Marcus Rashford. Now, you and I have both been very critical of Marcus Rashford. Um, in recent years. And look, I think rightly so. It comes from a place we both absolutely love him, but also think uh, we've been sort of not too sort of fond of some of these performances and sort of off-field stuff over recent years. But ultimately now, um, he's given us exactly what we want on and off the pitch. And look at informed players. Marcus Rashford at the moment, we had just had a discussion, Larry and I, the other day in regards to salary caps and 200000 And could you imagine Marcus Rashford going into the contract negotiating room now and saying, yeah, I'm happy to settle on 200000 Like The guy could demand 400000 in the form that he's in. He's in better form than Erling Haaland, for God's sake. And I'm just thinking, what do you make of this Marcus Rashford form at the moment? Is it, is it a nice purple patch? Has Eric Ten Hag uncovered something where he's given something different? Has Marcus Rashford sort of actually improving on his game? Like, just what do you make of this unbelievable form he's in?
1: I think it's a combination of Ten Hag really getting stuck into him, uh, Rashford actually being able to properly recover from his injury, and Rashford, to his credit, improving. What my criticism or what I wouldn't say it's a criticism. The reason why I say Rashford's not a world-class player is because only a select group of players have that football, natural footballing ability that allows them to become world-class. However, when you talk about United Legends, we, we, we can name United Legends that weren't necessarily world-class. That's not to say I don't think Rashford can become a United Legend if he stays. And like we've said on the show, we'd love nothing more for them, than for that to happen. I think the main improvement in his game this year, it, firstly, is his off, work off the ball, He's Doing really well to get back. Ten how really drawing that into him. And second, secondly, and I think most importantly is his decision making on the ball. It's not just mindlessly try and beat a player and get a shot away when the shot's not even on. Whether, whether even if it's just a, a, a simple pass back or to, to or to your Casemiro or or the pass to Shore or Masiello overlapping, it's the correct decision every time when he when he sh- when he's sh- taken the shot. Correct decision when he's been in the two-on-two, manages to eliminate a player and play either Martial or Anthony, it's been the correct decision. And that, that therefore, has meant he's less wasteful with the ball. When he gets a shot away, it's more than likely going to be on target in the form that he's in at the moment, a goal. And when he's beating the player, he's eliminated the play and created the three on two.
0: I think one of my huge sort of praises of Marcus Rashford this season, and while while there has been a huge influx or huge sort of increase in sort of goals, and it looks like this huge sort of increase in form just in regards to his output, is the sort of slow... and. In regards to performances, so I so take away the goals and I look at work rate and I look at passes, look at decision-making, it's been a slow, a gradual improve. Every week he seems to get a little bit more mature and I'll put that down to him, but also Eric Ten Hag. I think Eric Ten Hag is working wonders and I'd almost prefer that. Like I could live with even if he had scored one goal this year. In regards to the improvement in his performances, I think I'm seeing something there. Now, the goals are a bonus, obviously. Of course they are, but, but I'm very happy with Marcus Rashford. I'm sure he'll be up for awards and rightly so for every sort of award under the sun in January. But um, anything else on Rashford before we do move on to...
1: I remember you saying in Dutch football, the reason why Rashford might struggle under Ten Hag is because... I, the thought,
0: yeah, I, I thought I thought one of the players who was going to struggle under Ten Hag was Marcus Rashford. And, and, and,
1: and I agree 100%. But, and obviously Ten Hag's had that word with him. If you want to be in my plans, these, these are the improvements that you need to make to your game. And to Rashford's credit, he, he's done that because stuff like decision-making and... Work rate That's that's not an ability thing. That's that's between, that's between the years and yeah. fair play to Rashford. He's developed that. That does he have? Like I don't want to bring Martial into the discussion. Does he have the all-round footballing ability that Martial does? No I don't think he does. And ultimately, that's why, in my opinion, as good as he is, he'll never be world class. That should be a, a tier reserve for, for a, literally a handful of players. But that does not mean. Let, let me make it clear. That does not mean he can't become a United legend. Like, no,
0: with, I, I, look, I, I completely agree, and I think he's well on fine. his way. To be a Man United you know, legend, if he can add another trophy or two, um, I think he's well on his way. Do let us know your thoughts on that as well. But um, Chris here, in regards to Rashford, I got him in my fantasy team. Had him last week as well. You I have to he's a midfielder, yeah.
1: That's
0: but funny. I can't captain, Earl, can't, can't captain Erling Harland this week. Um, no Manchester. Every Manchester United fan should be getting Harland out of their team. Or if you're bad at fantasy, get him in so he doesn't score. If you work like that, that's often how I work. Matt here saying Ten Hag gave Rashford a good rap after the game. You're yeah, definitely obviously speaking highly off the back as well of sort of punishing him. Um, for being late. Um, I think the management of Marcus Rashford as well from Eric Ten Hag has been brilliant. I want to get more more into Eric Ten Hag. I think it's underrated what a job this guy's doing like in terms of everything, off the field, Maguire, Ronaldo, changing the dugouts, everything. He just... I need to go into some of the stuff Eric Ten Hag has done and what he's improved at this club.
1: In in Ten Hag's first 29 games in charge of United, he's won 72% of his matches. It's better than what Pep and Klopp did. And, with, and Pep with all, with all the resources of the world. Klopp, you can understand why, because he didn't have a pre-season and he took over a shit team in the middle of the season. But the fact that he's done better than, better than Pep, well... And yeah.
0: oh, no. look, if you're happy with what Eric Ten Hag is doing, please do leave a like on the video. It would be very much appreciated. Now, before we get into the 3-2-1s, someone who you and I have had many discussions over the last the last year or even Eric Ten Hag's time at Manchester United for Kundo Paleshi, a player we both sort of... Maybe don't rate as this, he's going to be the world superstar. But we think there's a, a player there, especially under Eric Ten Hag. And just why isn't he getting game time? Now, is that down to injury? Is down to training? Is it down to just selection? It was always interesting. He's starting for Uruguay. And we think, well, he's playing for Uruguay. And he hasn't. Even, I, I was sure he'd made his debut somewhere. But he actually hadn't made his debut for Manchester United. I think, Christ, that's a, that's a long time. He signed with Ahmad all those years ago under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So for him to wait this long for a debut, One who's shocking, not shocking in regards to a disgrace or anything. I was just shocked. I thought surely he had made a debut, but he hasn't. So congratulations to Plessary for making his debut. But ultimately comes on and you think, well, he should have made it a year ago. Like He looks very good, especially in regards to the way Eric Ten Hag wants to play. So I'll throw the floor to you in regards to do you want to talk about his debut performance or do you have maybe a theory as to why he hasn't been getting those chances?
1: Well, as I said, jokingly, fair to you, there is a reason why I thought it might have been, but <laughs> let's hope it's not the Wilfred Zaha sort of scenario. Um, but with regards to his actual, his actual debut, on a serious note, are we, are we really surprised? It's a guy that, okay, Uruguay, I'm the Uruguay what they were in 2010, but to, to, to be South, starting for a South American football side that makes the World Cup, you've got to have something about you. Yeah. Are we really surprised that he's come on against, with all due respect, Charlton and Run, run, beat, beat three we,
0: we, do, we do have to take that into consideration as Charlton, but ultimately other players are on the pitch for 89 minutes and didn't quite get it done. No. Yeah, I, I, the- I
1: take that point, but it's like we're yeah. surprised it is good. I don't even know why we're surprised because yeah, you're, you're getting picked in the Uruguay squad if it was shit.
0: No, I definitely, I agree with that. Just before, I'm, I want to start on the Plessie train, but Borche here with a good point, which I want to look a little bit further into and sort of maybe talk to one or two people who have maybe a bit, a bit of a better insight into what is happening with Benny McCarthy has been a big part of Rashford's form. I do want to learn a little bit more about what Benny McCarthy is doing and the sort of work he's doing with the strikers because the evidence suggests he's working wonders. But um, so bang on the money there from Borce. But in regards to Plessie there, in regards to what is the answer? Now, we can tie Langer into this discussion. Now, when we mention Langer here, this is not, oh, Langer's rubbish, get him out of the club. It's just, okay, Plessure might be a little bit better, and that's not to criticise Anthony Langer. But in regards to that now, a lot of people say, okay, put Plessure above Langer. Okay, that's good. Is Plessure really going to get the minutes then? If Anthony Langer's not getting the minutes as, as such. So I'm just thinking, what the, what's the answer with Plessure now? Because maybe you can start him against Reading. Now, that's still a big call. I wouldn't lose any sleep if Eric Tan Hag starts him against Reading. But ultimately, okay, there's one start. Is he ever going to get any other appearances this season? He could get off the bench here or there, five minutes there, ten minutes there. But I'm thinking, ultimately, we want to see more of Fekindo Plastri, but will he really get his chance this season? So, yes, he might move above um, Langer in the pecking order, but is that enough? Because Anthony Langer's not getting enough minutes. So I'm just thinking, what do you want to see for Plastri at the end of the season? Do you stay and take a Langer spot and maybe get five or ten minutes off the bench? Or do you look to get a loan somewhere?
1: I think from his perspective, I think he's got a Copper America coming up next year, so maybe to secure his place in the Uruguay team, he might want to play a bit more football. So, in that case alone, but... but I actually see, see him having a future in the center of midfield as well, which is mm. which is where he has played for Alaves and for Uruguay at times as well. So whether whether he he could be the guy from next season onwards. Let's say we let Fred walk, that could he take Fred's spot?
0: Well, it's also got maybe not so much a longer, but will also potentially Donny Van Der Beek in maybe a more advanced role with Bruno's out and Donny Van Der Beek's not available, maybe in their role because he definitely is that. Yeah, I know he lines up wide sometimes, but he is that technical play you'd sort of envisage in the number ten role a little bit more, sort of central than in a wide area because he does have that technique. But um, Stephen here, Plaster he can get bench time if we don't sign him a struggle this one. No, look, I'm sure his chances will increase and he will get more minutes, but ultimately enough to what really develop. What I would do, George. Now I don't know the situation at Southampton. What I would do, I would say, is go Southampton. Look, you're having a horrible season. You got nothing to play for. What what, what you have in wide areas or the like number ten, it's not working for you. Take this guy, we'll pay his wages, pay no loan fees, start him every game. You've got nothing to lose, might as well play him. And I can see a couple of months of been playing Premier League football down at Southampton, and that's personally what I would do. Now, does that suit Pallestri? Is that what he wants? Is that what Eric Tonag wants? Maybe not. But just in my line of opinion, in terms of guaranteeing him minutes, I want to see him in the Premier League. Now, yes, some players can go to Serie A or La Liga. You don't know how that translates. Now, yes, we can sign players from then those countries, obviously, but I want to see a line play in the Premier League and what they do in england so i'd love to see pleasure get alone, but i also do want to see him in the red shirt because um he did look very impressive so um do let us know your thoughts on Facundo playstery in the comments below and i'm um, in the live chat time for three two one so do get your three two one votes in interesting one here george um I'll throw up to you first three names spring to mind for me now one person we haven't even mentioned yet in this podcast i think he's man of the match alejandro Ganacho. um now marcus rashford gets the two goals is that worth three points anthony got a good goal as well i would be looking at Alejandro Garnacho. I thought he was very good. While greedy, he was greedy at times, but um, I can sort of afford that when a player sort of does excite you a little bit.
1: I agree. I agree in the sense that Garnacho was the best player over the 90 minutes, but the way that you guys normally do these 3-2-1s, it's about impact and how do you go past two goals in the space? I,
0: I just thought that, but take those two mm-hmm. goals away. We win 1-0 in the last minute, which I do agree, and that's often how we do it, but it was the first... Like, I wouldn't argue against it. I'm waiting to see a lot of people's thoughts in the live chat. I just thought Ganacha over the 90 minutes was impactful. He was the reason the game was played in the Charlton half. I agree with you on that.
1: It's just that the way that you, you and Larry normally do these three, two, ones, I think Casemiro is a good shout, too. But,
0: but do you think the two goals one. were impactful? Obviously, they were. We won 3 0, but in regards to, to the result, like, I think the first the one game, was maybe yeah, not yeah. Yeah. George here with a shout oh. with Casemiro oh, as well. That ball he played to Pelestri. Um, well, obviously, the one to Rashford as well, which I'm sure everyone remembers outside of the foot to Marcus Rashford. But for the, for the first goal, for plus reasons, just go back and watch Casemiro's pass there. I'm telling you, it's one of the passes you just hit when you're mucking around at training in the warm up, where you just got a bit of dew on the grass and you just hit it to get a bit of spin. It's when you, you don't do those passes in a the game, they're too risky. There's no point doing it. You just hit it with the side of your foot. But Casemiro's come on and said, Stuff it. I'm hitting this pass like I'm just mucking around at training. And <laughs> what a brilliant pass it was. I urge everyone go back and watch that second goal, uh, Marcus Rashford's first goal. So Casemiro, when he comes on, you, you just see the class. As I said, I, I've gone beyond saying Casemiro is the best defensive midfielder in the world. I'm saying he's the best midfielder in the world at the moment. Can't wait for Casemiro against Kevin De Bruyne, but he's also gone Rashford for two points, Ganacho for one. Look, I'll throw it to you, George. Maybe you just want to throw another name, but you've got Rashford and Ganacho there. I'm just thinking, yes, Rashford's goals were important and we do sort of value that impact for goals, but it was so close to being a 1-0 win off the back of Ganacho's performance. I would opt for Ganacho, but um, as you're the guest, um, four of yours.
1: I'll 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 agree with you on Ganacho for three points, but I think that means Rashford's got to have two because ultimately. Yeah. Well,
0: look, R- Rashford two goals definitely. So we'll go Ganacho for three no, points. I'm Rashford. Gonna,
1: I'm going to throw a bit of a left field suggestion for what, for one point. Given the circumstances that he hasn't made his club debut and however long he's waited, that long, and he's come straight on and made an instant impact. Could have had it a couple more assists if our finishing was better towards the end. I'm going to throw palestrian for a shout for a point. Given the circumstances.
0: I two names. I wasn't going to throw Tom Heaton in there, but as we mentioned at the start, I thought Tom Heaton had good performance, nowhere near points, but just an honourable mention for Tom Heaton. Anthony, I'll go back to the Ganacho thing, take, take away those two goals from Marcus Rashford and think it was close to a match-winning goal, curling ball into the top corner to win the match 1-0, very close. thought Anthony's within a shout for a point because very close to a match-winning goal. But the way Pellestri came in, and yes, not so much the impact, which he did obviously have a positive impact, but I just thought the narrative around Palestri coming on, making your debut and sort of, sort of liven things up at Old Trafford, I do have to take your hat off for Palestri. So i would be looking maybe a little bit more towards Anthony because in my eyes it was I was one minute away from a match-winning goal, which I obviously could have got the three points if that was the case. So um, I think it would be hard done by not to get a point. But obviously Pelestri did very well. And then you, you do look at Casemiro. I thought maybe Fred, until he got subbed, was maybe the best in midfield. But um, I'll throw the floor to you and if anyone else gets your thoughts in the live chat. But um, your thoughts for a point.
1: Uh, I've talked up to Palestri too much on this show not to give him a point. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, look, a look, I like
0: to say, and it just sort of continuing on from the positivity around p- palestri, Um I think deserving of it. And it's great to see as they made a great debut. Palastria as well. I forgot it was his debut. It's been for so long. Um, Georgie, One question: If the subs didn't come on, could we have conceded? Very. I think Hag's game management last couple of weeks has been brilliant. Whether you've I agreed think with the personnel, we could
1: have.
0: Yeah, very well. And look, Charlton. Maybe that's why we got those two goals. Charlton became a little bit more expansive and sort of opened the space up for Palastria, Casemiro, Rashford. But um, I thought the way Eric Ten Hag is game management last couple of games, um, I thought fair play. Whether you agreed with the personnel or not, he's bringing it on or bringing it off. That's one thing. But the idea behind the substitutions, I think Eric Ten Hag has got it bang on. And it seems so refreshing because the last couple of years, we've always been sitting there from the 60th minute, 65th, 70, 75th minute, 80th minute waiting for a sub. Eric Ten Hag does seem to be quite proactive. So I am enjoying that. From um, the manager and Chris here, Plastri, Fred, Anthony for a point. Yeah, I would have gone Anthony as well, but look, George has made a compelling case for Plastri, and look, I wouldn't disagree. Around Plastri's debut, come on, get an assist. Um, pl- pleasure to see. So we'll go three points we'll for get
1: the assist as well. It's the, it's the confidence he showed on the ball, his ability to Oh, play Yeah, play and, yeah no, ball uh, well, actually,
0: yeah, just pass. played played well as well. Yeah, no, no doubt. So Gnaicho for three points, Rashid for two, and we'll give for Kundo Plastri for one point now. We'll obviously, do many previews or one preview, but many discussions ahead of the Manchester Derby. It's obviously a big one. But is there any and obviously, Weghorst George? Um, obviously, called Weghorst when Ralph Frank was first appointed that he um, should come in as Manchester United striker. So we'll definitely have George on when, um, when or slash if it's um, seven trip for him. when um, Weghorst is announced. So um, make sure you are subscribed for that show. Um, we'll definitely go live when that's announced. But um, besides Weghorst, because we'll have many discussions around that, George, is there anything else around the game or? Man United news you do want to touch on before we wrap up? Uh,
1: not, not um, just quickly on the Charlton manager who is a you can you can tell he's a massive United fan. He, don't
0: apparently, yeah, got a season <laughs> ticket, which I think that is. I think we often put those stories and sort of feel good moments around the FA Cup, but this is a League Cup. It's cup football. It's one of those things. It is sometimes good to see. Now, in my mind, Charlton are a big club because I grew up with them in the Premiership. Now, ultimately, they're in League One, but ultimately, you do have those feel good stories. You mentioned the Australian goalkeeper. Um, the manager, what a buzz it would have been for him, sort of meeting Eric Ten Hag and managing um, at Old Trafford, the Theatre of Dreams. So, so fair. And I thought Charlton did well. Uh, obviously, a lot of Man United fans would rock up and say, oh, we should smack them. Yes, we should smack them. But ultimately, they are tough games. I remember when I used to play, we used to have a couple of cup games. and We used to always lose to the lower division sides. It was just so hard that they were up for it. You used to play on a bad ground and they were up for it and it was hard. And sometimes these games are harder. Maybe the Man United players will find it easier in the derby, where it's more of a football game. Which I look at see the size of that striker up against Lissandro oh. Martinez. So like he was he was towered over Harry Maguire for God's sake. And I'm just thinking he was a unit. And I think ultimately they, they provide a test. So I thought, well some performance is really a bit shaky individually. To get through with three nil in a quarter final of a cup for uh, league cup, I thought nothing but praise today.
1: Oh hundred percent. And um as you talk about our inevitable meeting with City in the semis, so I'm really looking forward to. But well,
0: we'd be interested. Obviously, City play Southampton tonight, and Wolves against Forest. So, look, I'd like to see maybe Forest get through and Forest in the semi-final, and Newcastle and City knock each other out. But um, time will tell. Would it even be, no. it
1: be even better because Henderson couldn't play that game. He'd be he'd be yeah. because um, of the loan scenario.
0: I can't believe that's two legs, that semi-final, but it is what it is. Um, George is saying, well, Eric I'll be brave enough to play Sancho on Saturday night. I would bet the house that James Sancho doesn't start that match. I um, might be on the bench, but I would have said if if there was a surprise selection of Sancho, it would have been today. Wasn't the case. So, uh, see, George. he's saying one leg. I'm saying two legs. Commentators are saying two legs. The internet's saying one leg. What information do you have? Is this a two-legged semi-final or one leg?
1: Your guess is as good as mine.
0: I, do, I can't tell. Every everyone gives me a different answer, and I have no oh, yeah. idea. Could, from
1: COVID on, but it only has been a one-legged semi.
0: That's what I thought, but and, and off the back of the World Cup, you think that would continue? But everything I've heard from sort of commentators and sort of TV shows is uh, that it's a that it's a return to two legs. I hope it's well, one it's,
1: leg. Well, I mean, from a from a personal perspective, bias, it's, I hope it's two legs because I get an extra game to go to while I'm in Manchester. Or, or, while I do not know?
0: fingers crossed for you you're, oh, too selfish too selfish think about the players yeah. and the, the, the player welfare yeah but um look stay tuned uh, make sure you are subscribed tomorrow i might put out a short video on Pelestry and sort of tie the alanga and Pelestry discussion um into a quick video so do make sure you subscribe for that do leave a like on the video if you are enjoying man united's winning run and marcus rashford's goal scoring form they're very much appreciated subscribe if you're new george pleasure as always mate
1: thanks for having me on and hopefully i'm um, looking forward to I don't even want to call it an upset because they're playing that well. We went over
0: City. Let's just call it that. Plenty of Manchester Derby content coming your way. home. That'll be an interesting one. If you are in Sydney, the Man United Supporters Club will be at Scruffy Murphy's 11.30 on Saturday night. But um, we'll definitely preview that in the coming days. But until then, have a good one. We'll chat to you soon. Cheers.